Hello dear listeners, Paul here. Before we start, I want to offer our apologies. Uh, while we were recording this episode, we experienced some uh, technical difficulties, mostly in the form of me forgetting to plug in my good microphone. Uh, we only found out about that after recording, so the sound quality on my part isn't that great this episode. Uh, so again, my apologies for that, but hopefully you'll still be able to enjoy this episode. Bye. And I'm drinking something that's called Russian Earl Grey, so I think uh, Vladimir Putin is also happy. <laughs> Russian Earl Grey, right, okay. Yeah. Count Grey, or Prince Grey. <laughs> Grand Duke Grey. Okay, but just watch out for the traces of polonium. It's Friday, February the 11th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Kilted Lowlander, and with me as ever is Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Virtual Copyright Outlaw. I shouldn't have taken a bite you really shouldn't, no. while you were saying this, because this was way too short. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're, you're channeling Molly here. You, you, you're uh, keeping the spirit of Molly alive by having your breakfast during the yeah. podcast, which is good in one way, <laughs> exactly. but not so good for people listening to it. Which, uh, <laughs> no, exactly. So I'll apologise on your behalf. From... Um, but you've yeah. uh, also been banned from Twitter this week, Paul. I was temporarily banned from Twitter uh, <laughs> during the night, I think. I'm not even sure if I was actually banned, but I when I logged in on Twitter, uh, when was it Wednesday morning, mm. I saw a notification that said that I had violated uh, the, the copyright terms and agreements of, of Twitter. Yeah. And uh, if I wanted to know uh, the details about this claim, I had to uh, um, yeah, uh, read the mail they sent me. Yeah. So, so who sent you this email? A Twitter sent, sent oh, me Twitter sent email. It, right. Yeah. yeah, but they forwarded the email they received from the Sony Entertainment Group. Ah which uh, listed a lot of tweets uh, uh, with their content and with their copyrighted material. And one of the, uh, one of the tweets in that list was uh, my tweet about Rita Verdonk's new campaign video, <laughs> 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 which we talked about, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a James Bond parody. Uh, it was a terrible parody, yeah. I have to admit. <laughs> Um, but they had used, uh, yeah, the music of the of the James Bond uh, films. Yeah. And uh, when we saw this video emerge on YouTube and on social media, everybody assumed that they didn't acquire the the rights to use, uh, you know, the visuals and the the music of the James Bond uh, videos. Uh, everybody expected that. But uh, what I didn't expect is that um, Sony Entertainment Group would go after my tweet about <laughs> their video. Yeah. They went after so, you yeah. and, uh, uh, what, a couple of dozen other people who'd, uh, t- who'd tweeted this video, right? It- yeah, no, the, 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 the things they listed in this, in this, in this email uh, wasn't uh, uh, about the, the, that campaign video. It was just a random list of, of, of stuff mm. people used from their, from their movies, and I was one of them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I uh, 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 I had to. Uh, Twitter forced me to to say that I was going to reread the terms uh, and uh, conditions, mm. specifically about uh, uh, copyright infringement. Uh, I only had to say that I was going to do it. They didn't uh, test me or anything about. Uh, they didn't quiz me about uh, right. uh, 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 terms. So, so it's kind of like the uh, yeah, kind of like the Dutch quarantine rules when you fly into the country <laughs> yeah, exactly. on flying on a, uh, from another country. You just have to tick a box saying that you'll you'll isolate, or, or or you tick a box saying you're exempt without having to specify why, and then you can just uh, you just fly in. It's true. <laughs> this was literally the case. Indeed, I only had to tick a box. I didn't have to do anything else. But they they deleted uh, the. The, the, the media in my tweet, my tweet is still there, but they deleted the media. And I also noticed that um, Hoop de Mos probably also had a, a, a letter from their copyright lawyers uh, because their campaign video is taken down from YouTube as well. Yes. Yeah. It was a. I, I, I always expected that the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> was going to uh, play an, an, a very important role in my life when I was a child, and I never expected that. Peter Verdonk's campaign video would have a uh, 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 would be more impactful than the Bermuda Triangle. An even greater yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, yeah. I think on balance, uh, having this video taken down uh, was was a generally good thing for society. You know, it was, it, was, it was the right move, possibly for the wrong reasons. I'm not sure they really needed to get the copyright lawyers involved. But, exactly. Uh, on, yeah. gr- on grounds of good taste, is it? Yes. Yeah, so I just hope that somebody now finds a reason to take down the the, the swimming pool video because I'm still haunted by nightmares of that. 
Um, and uh, you are a kilted lowlander. I think, I assume that also has to do with a, uh, a campaign video of a local party, right? It is to do with a campaign video on YouTube, yes. Uh, or that, that I think that it's been shared by uh, a local party in the uh, municipality of... Uh, I forgot, is it, is it Weigen? Weigen? Yeah, you spell it Weigen, yeah. but you pronounce it as Wiegen. Oh, you pronounce which it as Wiegen. Is, you it's okay. one of these places that you pronounce differently than you actually write it. But uh, is, it, is, is that the exact connection it has to Scotland? That the place uh, is, is uh, the, the, the pronunciation yeah. of the place is nothing like the spelling? Yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A, like a place in Scotland called Mulgai, and, uh, yeah, that, that, have, uh, that, that just look nothing like the... Uh, yeah, if you actually see them on the page, you've never, never heard it spoken before. You would never guess how it was pronounced. Yeah, 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 maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. No, I don't. I, I've seen the video. I don't know what the connection with Scotland is. I can think of only one thing, and that is at the very end of the very long video. Yeah. Where it was almost five minutes. Um, one of the uh, people on the candidate list uh, lifts his his uh, skill, uh, <laughs> saying, uh, "Our party is uh, met gaat met de billen blow." Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I don't don't even know what they're trying to say. No, here. I don't quite know uh, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to walk around with our bums showing. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it means they got nothing to hide. I suppose. So yeah, I think that's video, it. The whole yeah. video for, to save people watching the whole five minutes. So it just starts with bagpipe music. And then you see a guy in full Highland dress playing the bagpipes, and it's the entire kind of local party group from uh, this local party in Viken, who, for reasons that they never quite fully explain, have all dressed up as uh, yeah, as a, as a, as a, as, a, uh, as a as a Highland military band and proceed to. <laughs> Proceed to play the bagpipes, yeah, including Shetland ponies. Yeah, with Shetland ponies as well. It's all very strange. We will link. Uh, we will. We will uh, link to the uh, uh, to the YouTube video in the liner notes, so you can take a look at that yeah. as well. Yeah, it is all very incongruous. Um, but it, it made me uh, th- think uh, think back to um uh, to, to my wedding day because um I, I also got dressed up in a kilt in the Netherlands, and it is very strange when you look back at the pictures and you see the least <laughs> appropriate landscape possible for Highland dress because it's just completely <laughs> flat, right? You expect generally <laughs> when, yeah. when you see people in kilts are wondering about mountains or they've got at least got some kind of snow-capped mountains or you know or, or, or lakes or something in the background and this just looks or you just see ends and ends of uh, endless flat fields uh, with people you in should kilts. have just married in in limburg i think that would have been a better 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 place i guess so yeah to, but uh, that yeah. was a long that would have been a long way to drive from my guests who are all from Drenthe. No, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, right. it's a long way to go on a tractor. That Limburg. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so all that discussion about sort of uh, strange and uh, uh, incongruous videos uh, brings us round to the op of the week, uh, Paul. So what what wh- wh- what's been stirring up the op hef? <laughs> what on earth is this about? <laughs> what's been stirring up the op this week? Yeah, yeah. The op of the week comes from uh, Hilversum, and not because a man named Göring <laughs> takes part in the municipality <laughs> elections there next month. Um, instead, a new reality TV program was announced called uh, BN in het ziekenhuis and the idea is that BNS which stands for bekende Nederlanders or famous Dutchman will work in a real hospital as a nurse and experience how it's like to work in uh, in, in healthcare while everything is uh, is filmed the hospital in question will be uh, the Groene Hart Hospital in Gouda uh, celebrities involved include Rachel Hazes Natasha Vroger and and this is true comedian Philip Goebbels who isn't German, as you might expect, <laughs> Belgian. There's a lot of there's a big Goebbels theme in this uh, <laughs> this, uh, this item, isn't there? Yeah. Goering, Goebbels, yeah, uh, all the yeah. all the, the entire Nazi uh, yeah, Nazi exactly. talk yeah. is, is there uh, a Himmler coming along at some point as well? We'll wait and see. Um, many people on the internet joked that uh, it would be uh, the worst nightmare to have to see them uh, at the hospital bed. And others said that the amount of TV shows surrounding uh, Dutch celebrities is really running out of hand now. Uh, the real opheft, though, was about uh, the full celebrity on the show, uh, who is Caroline van der Plas. That's the MP for the Boerburgerbeweging. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's already a lot of criticism about her media presence and that she's invited way too often in talk shows and other current affairs programs, um, especially because she's a faction leader of a party that only has one seat in the Tweede Kamer. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, they say she is uh, really overrepresented mm. uh, in the media. Uh, and now uh, a reality show comes on top of that. And many people feel that uh, it's inappropriate for a politician to take part in, uh, in, in a reality TV show and that she uh, should just uh, do their job in Parliament. And she also regularly complains that a one-person faction is uh, really overburdened and often has to skip debates 
because she simply cannot be at more places than once at the same time. Uh, but uh, apparently she uh, she does have the time to uh, to um, uh, participate in a reality TV show. Uh, but Fana Plus responded saying that uh, uh, her appearance will not interfere with her parliamentary work mm-hmm. because she will only tape on days the Tweede Kamer does not have debates or during recesses. Right. Okay. So uh, that's all right then. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it does seem a bit uh, bizarre, this whole idea of uh, celebrities actually working in hospitals. I mean, what are they exactly going to do? Are they going to band- like sort of bandage up after operations or do injections? Or you know, how, how much can you actually... How much of a nurse's work can you actually do when you've just uh, uh, when it's not your day job? The idea is that they're going to do a, a training as a nurse, so I guess mm-hmm. they will uh, just do like the the, the regular, uh, you know, when you when you are uh, uh, getting educated to become a nurse. That's the that, those are the things they are probably going to do. I guess yeah. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but the um, uh, the hospital also responded to the OPEF and they said. You know, we have a, a enormous shortage of healthcare workers and uh, shows like this, uh, uh, TV programs like this are really uh, helpful in, uh, you know, getting people to uh, recruit uh, to become a healthcare worker. Mm. Uh, people will get familiar with uh, with the work and how, uh, yeah, how, how beautiful the work actually is. So, yeah, they hope that uh, it will lead to more uh, people um, uh, signing up for uh, uh, healthcare um, uh, employees employment so yeah that's their hope yeah. but i don't think that uh, um, caroline van der plas or philip goebbels will um, convince people to <laughs> to become a healthcare worker i guess but um who knows also a lot of um, a lot of people um are reminded uh, were reminded of of an earlier uh, op-ed mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when there was also a reality tv show um uh, i think it was taped in in rotterdam i'm not entirely oh no it was in amsterdam one of the hospitals in amsterdam what they did was they uh, they had um, uh, you know hidden cameras in a in in the uh, GP's office or in the doctor's office and then taped the um, the conversations people had with the doctor without uh, uh, telling them in advance mm. and then only afterwards asked them permission to to broadcast it um, uh, in the TV show. But you know there was a lot of op-ed saying that you know you don't want anyone listening in in your with your. Um, uh, you know the conversations you have with your with your with your doctor. So um, God, no, yeah, yeah. There, there was also a lot of opeth about that. It's not nothing to do with with this um, this show in particular because you know here people are warned in advance that uh, yeah, yeah they, they, they actually is, seek the uh, consent of the patients, which I think uh, <laughs> is is a good move. Yeah, yeah, still be pretty uh, horrifying if you turn up if you turn up for your operation and uh, you know, the the person who greets you at the door of the hospital is uh, is an MP. <laughs> would be worse than having a cleaning clown at your bedside i think <laughs> exactly yeah perhaps this might well, be a way to pay more than healthcare workers by the way yeah oh they do yes 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 i know all about that yeah there is just a, a different opf um, in itself This week, sexual harassment allegations spread from showbiz to politics and football. The government speeds up plans to end the pandemic restrictions. Inflation is accelerating faster than Vax Verstappen. And Dutch Olympic hopes are on thin ice and going downhill fast, uh, which is a good thing. (laughs) Labour MP Gijs van Dijk resigned on Wednesday following accusations of sexually harassing women. Van Dijk is the latest high-profile man to be accused of inappropriate behaviour. The accusations are now being investigated by an independent investigator, the PvdA party said in a short statement. However, it has since emerged that one woman, who was chairman of a party committee on poverty, reported Van Dijk's actions to the police and to the party leadership as early as 2019. Cornelia Kluster, who has uh, waived anonymity, said that she had frequent meetings with Van Dijk, who, despite being told not to, hugged her so hard she was left with bruises on her breast. Uh, When she went to the police, she was told to complain to the party's leadership, and after the investigation, her complaint was found to be groundless. The women who have now come forward in the last few days are not not in a working relationship with Van Dijk. Party leader Liliane Plumer said she had spoken to the two women and said the accusations warranted an external investigation. Plumen said the 2019 investigation has been thorough and independent, but said the case would be included in the new probe. Um, but it has since um, emerged that uh, uh, one of the um, uh, directors of that uh, in- external investigation bureau is a uh, high-profile labor um, uh, member. So, yeah, it's... Um, uh, it, it might not be so independent as it uh, as it really was. Yeah, that's uh, uh, as they say. Yes, yeah, that obviously raises a few questions. And uh, Van Dyke's not the only person who resigned this week uh, following accusations of inappropriate behaviour. 
Now, football club Ajax also parted with director of football Mark Overmars with immediate effect after he admitted sending inappropriate messages to women working at the club. In a statement, the club said the messages were sent to several female colleagues over an extended period, adding that Overmars took the decision to leave after discussions with the supervisory board and CEO Edwin van der Sar. Uh, the 48-year-old said he was ashamed but unaware he had crossed boundaries of acceptable behavior until he was recently confronted with it. Uh, the NSA newspaper spoke to 11 women who still uh, who either still work for the club or used to do that. Uh, according to the NSA, the inappropriate behavior involved sending dick pics uh, or photographs of his penis to several female workers, as well as uh, asking them about what they were wearing and making other inappropriate comments. Uh, the NSA uh, article, they were working on it. Um, uh, uh, did he resign uh, after NSA contacted Ajax? Do you know that? Uh, I think it was after sure. they contacted Ajax, but before they published the article. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was it. Yeah. yeah. So he resigned, and then NSA said, uh, "Yeah, we have um, an article coming up um, in in, uh, in the next uh, couple of hours." But then uh, he he had already resigned. Yeah. There had been whispers uh, about Overmars for years, and his behavior was well known in some departments. Departments, according to uh, NRC. Uh, sexism is part of the club's culture, one woman told uh, the newspaper. You need to have a very thick skin to work at Ajax, uh, said another. Uh, Overmars's departure is noteworthy given the high esteem he is held in at the club. He was a member of Ajax's Champions League winning team in 1995 and was appointed director of football in 2012. He was credited with lifting the salary cap at Ajax, enabling the club to buy players such as uh, Tadic and Haller and reach the semi-finals of the Champions League in 2019. Uh, he was also involved in um, developing players such as Frankie de Jong and Matthijs de Ligt, uh, whose transfer fees strengthened the club's financial position as well. And um, uh, the Parole newspaper said Overmars' reputation started to unravel after club director Edwin van der Sar sent an email to female staff on uh, January 25, uh, informing them uh, where to go for help and advice if they had been the victim of sexual harassment. And the email was sent following the revelations about sexual assault at television talent show The Voice of Holland, and prompted at least one woman to come forward. Yeah. So yeah, the, my first thought when I heard about this was this was uh, kind of very proactive by Ajax. They hadn't um, waited for an investigation to take place. That uh, they'd uh, resigned, but I think it was he was he's very much you know given no choice really. He had to resign when uh, no. Fanasar yeah. confronted him with it. But then when you actually, as the days went by, you kind of thought, and, and then um, when you actually found out exactly what uh, you know how extensive this had been, and that eleven women had been involved. It was actually quite yeah. kind of horrifying to think that he did, yeah, you know, that 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 kind of poured cold water on his uh, his explanation that he didn't really understand what he'd done wrong when he went so far over the uh, over the line. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's all very strange, and I yeah, I never understand how anyone could do that and think that that's okay, and um, yeah. uh, don't don't realize that this is just simply wrong. And uh, yeah, it's it's always very telling that they only realized they did something wrong after you know they have been confronted with it um, uh, in such a way yeah uh, and multiple and, uh, complaints the, the, as well yeah yeah exactly uh, and also um, I just read that the uh, there's also a journalist a very high profile journalist of the Telegraaf who's also accused of um, of uh, misbehavior mm. he's a crime correspondent at uh, the Telegraaf crime right? correspondent yeah. yeah he's he's one of these uh, one of these journalists who, who receive uh, police protection around the clock because of their work because of their involvement in, in uh, you know in, in their reporting on on, um, on very serious crimes yeah. he is uh, yeah he's currently uh, suspended uh, from from the newspaper and uh, the newspaper is going to do also do an in, uh, uh, independent investigation uh, he said in a statement that he is uh, uh, he realizes that he did something wrong he's going into therapy is going to work on himself and uh, hopes that he can uh, resume his uh, his journalistic work um, uh, after he has healed i guess so yeah it's uh, um uh, after this the voice of holland uh, documentary by tim uh, tim hoffman you really see a lot of uh, yeah high profile people uh, falling from their a pedestal, I guess. Um, it's real. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it, it, it does maybe uh, signify um, uh, a culture change, a change of thinking. I think in the past, somebody certainly as high profile as someone like Armand Overmars is a really integral part of the management team at Ajax and uh, a guy who just had his contract renewed as well. And seen as uh, yeah. you know responsible for a lot of the success of the club, somebody like that uh, we, we would have seen we would have been kind of seen as untouchable, really. That uh, if uh, the, the club's first instinct when 
accusations are raised against him would have been to protect him because he's so valuable to the club. But now that's no longer tenable. And as soon as uh, the, 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 they were confronted with these, uh, you know, with, with, with the details uh, from from the women who Ovamaza contacted, they realised they had no choice but to but to let him go because otherwise the alternative would have been the story would have just gone on and on, on and been an absolute PR disaster for them. But I think no. in days gone by that this would have been dismissed, swept under the carpet, and I think often victims didn't come forward because they worried that in ultimately the person they were accusing would 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 would, would, would uh, or the management would side with the person they were accusing and not with them, and they'd end up leaving their job very often. So yeah. this, I think, well, hopefully signifies a real change in the way that companies deal with uh, with, with these complaints. Yeah, and it definitely shows that a real culture change is, uh, is at least needed. And yeah, as you say, hopefully this uh, signifies that this culture change is uh, really going to happen. Yeah, so I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be a lot more uh, of these incidents uh, coming out of the, uh, of the woodwork yeah. in the next weeks and months to come as well. Health Minister Ernst Kaupers is planning to relax more coronavirus restrictions from next Friday, February the 18th. And that's earlier than the previously announced date of March the 8th. Under Kaupers' plan, public venues such as bars, theatres, cinemas and sports stadia will be allowed to stay open until 1am, rather than the current closing time of 10pm. You'll still need a coronavirus access pass to get in, but the 1.5 metre distance rule is being dropped, so venues will be able to admit more, com- more customers, and crowds of less than 500 won't have to stay in their seats either. All of this is subject to the approval of the outbreak management team, which will look at the possible effect on infections and will be confirmed or otherwise at the next press conference on Tuesday, which Kaupers will present alone. Mark Ritter won't be there for the first yeah. time in two years. Uh, Why is that? Well, he's uh, not taking a, uh, taking a break or going to hide in a fridge. He's uh, going to debate his new cabinet's plans <laughs> in the Senate, he says. Okay, yeah. so no, so no uh, Christmas uh, quizzes uh, in the cabinet office. No, apparently not. Yeah, he's not going to hmm. sit there playing cards either in the, in the, in the tournament here. <laughs> uh, the health minister is also looking at shortening the seven-day isolation period after positive test, he said on RTL on Thursday, uh, because that's, uh, so many people are testing positive now that uh, large numbers of people <laughs> yeah. are off work for a week. Um, which is yeah. causing, you know, obviously slowing down the economic recovery. And in the longer term, Kaupa says the government needs to shift its focus from keeping coronavirus under control to, quote, living with the virus. This was on the letter he sent to Parliament at the start of the week and creating an open, resilient and shock-resistant society. But hang on, we did, didn't we already scrap the social distancing rules and the masks already? Yeah, we did in September. Oh. And how did that go? Um, uh, well... The infections uh, started uh, going up again, uh, and the number of hospital patients went up from 400 to 2,800. We came within a bore hair of declaring code black, and we went back into lockdown. Yes. Uh, and are we worried for a repetition of history again, or, or are things looking much better right now? Well, it's kind of uh, things are looking better than they were when we went into lockdown in December. Yes. And obviously, the Omicron variant has a different profile, maybe, th- th- than Delta. Uh, but if you compare the numbers of the start of October, then, uh, I mean, really, things are still much worse. I mean, right now, there are just over 1,500 people in hospital and 200 in intensive care. The number of patients in hospitals still going up on a weekly basis, although it does seem to be slowing down and the intensive care numbers are dropping. Um, but that is still double what we had in October. And again, it only took sort of 10 weeks to get up to crisis point from there. So we will see. Yeah. The Omicron variant has certainly tipped the balance because far more people are testing positive. We now have lots of 85,000 a day uh, and we haven't seen an equivalent rise in hospital cases. But I mean, a big part of the problem here is we don't really know what the infection rate is because in the last three weeks, the GGT Health Board Network was so inundated with uh, requests for testing that they built up a backlog of 300,000 tests because they just couldn't <laughs> process the results fast enough. Um, and part of the reason for that is that they actually, before they sent the test through to the RFEM, they first had to complete complete the track and the the, the the contact tracing uh, form and that has to be filled in by hand yeah so yeah um the rvm now yeah. streamlined yeah. its counting method uh, so that uh, they now get the results before they do all the all, 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 all the hand uh, hand filling in um but and so as far as we know we, we have around eighty-five thousand people testing positive a day and it does seem to be leveling off so last week the weekly number only went up by about two percent but that's mainly because fewer children are testing positive. So, and the, and the kind of Omicron wave hit children first, but um, and their, their yeah. numbers are now going down. But in the over 60s age group, we've seen a 50% rise last week. And those, of course, are the most vulnerable people. And uh, that might explain why you know, we saw like a 40% rise in the number of intensive care admissions a week ago. So, 
Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we, we, we keep. I mean, the, the, the kind of. I mean, so I, I get that the, the 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 mood is very much. We want to reopen. We want the pandemic to be over. We've had enough of it. I totally agree with all that. But you know, coronavirus is a seasonal illness. The season runs into April, and that gives us two months in which things could still go quite badly wrong. Yeah, and uh, both Margrethe and Ernst Kuipers admit that this is a gamble, um, but it's a gamble they're willing to take. Um, because the, the pressure is so uh, yeah is mounting so high uh, uh, for opening everything again that uh, yeah they, they have to give in now or they feel that they really have to give in. Um, but what's happening with the uh, coronavirus passes? Yeah, well, um, the whole debate of around the two G pass, which meant that uh, you couldn't get into venues in a positive test, you had to be vaccinated or recently recovered, uh, has been resolved now. And the two G pass has really been put out of, out of its misery on Thursday, because in Parliament, the smallest coalition party, the Christian Uni, joined opposition MPs in voting against the two G plan. Two um, G has been implemented in Germany and France, among other countries, and hasn't really had a huge effect. And part of the debate, part of the um, the whole. Uh, debate around it was that Cowper's claimed that it would have a it would reduce infections by 15 percent but he based it on data from the TU Delft which suggested a much smaller effect unless yeah. unless you unless you used it everywhere including schools and workplaces which is yeah. never really an option um so from last week and also of course from last week anyone who hasn't had their booster within nine months of their second dose will lose their green tick in the um uh, coronavirus pass so they, they wouldn't be able to get in on uh, on a 2g system at all um yeah. and under the current 3g system they will still have to take a test less than 24 hours before they go out but i think there's question marks over whether that system's going to survive as well because the government's been talking about reopening venues with a 1g system and that means that everyone regardless of their vaccination status just has to show a negative test before they can get in fun yeah really looking forward to having a test every time i uh want to go out uh, to some uh, to some place yeah um but do we think that the relaxations might have to do something with the local elections coming up? I see a lot of cynical commentary on uh, on, on Twitter um, claiming that uh, it might have to do with uh, with the elections. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I think, I think local elections don't really have um, a huge impact on the cabinet's thinking, partly because a lot of people don't vote for um, national parties at local elections. No. About 30% people, of people vote for local parties. And it would probably... Yeah, yeah I guess I, I would imagine the pandemic will uh, send more votes in the direction of, well, either the anti-lockdown parties like FAD or just the little local parties. A lot of those are against coronavirus restrictions as well. But no, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to have... If they think it's going to boost their vote share, I think they're going to be disappointed. Uh, frankly, yeah, I, I think, so I think too. the votes, yeah. the protest votes, will go to parties that have been protesting, you know, throughout or at least since the very start of the pandemic. Yeah, speaking of people that are protesting, um, I assume they are happy now, aren't they? Uh, no. Uh, the nightclubs oh. say that 1am closing still isn't enough and they're planning to go ahead with a planned protest uh, this Saturday um, where they will just reopen in defiance of the rules. Uh, it's kind of, this has become a great big gigantic mess really what's going to happen because um, Amsterdam's Mayor Famke Halsema <laughs> yeah. uh, wrote a very strongly worded letter to all the city's clubs this week saying that if they do reopen they'll be fined €4,500 and if they break the rules a second time they'll be shut down. The clubs have kind of said well you know, if we open up we'll probably take in more than 4000 500 euros so we'll take that risk and frankly if we're reopening next weekend anyway then uh, a second offense well it's not an issue um, and, and, and did she send did she send a similar letter to to the theaters and uh, uh, yeah, all the cultural venues that opened a couple of weeks ago uh, under the pretext of uh, of being a hairdresser uh, she didn't send them uh, she, i don't think she sent them uh, this letter as I believe well, not. No, she? there's been a huge inconsistency, <laughs> frankly, in the way yeah, mayors yeah. have dealt with rules. Yeah, they, 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 they said that the cafe's opening was fine, uh, was all right. They, they, they kind of almost you know, tacitly endorsed that. Then when the hairdressers reopened, they did say that they were they didn't support that, and, they, uh, and the boers did come round the theatres, but didn't issue any fines. Yeah. They just said, well, <laughs> they did a pretty Dutch thing where they basically said you have to shut within an hour, and of course the opening was only for an hour, so basically they, they, they just closed <laughs> at, the, um, at the prearranged time. Um, 
so and this time yeah. they, they seem to have got a bit harder by threatening to find them but of course the police have said they're not going to or the police union as they pay which is in dispute with the government anyway about paying conditions they yeah. that they've announced conveniently a process of their own where they say they just won't enforce minor penalties um, uh, as yeah. part of their pay dispute so therefore what's going to happen is people go to a club the clubs the clubs get a letter from the mayor saying they'll be fined uh, people turn up at the club um, the, the police are not going to enforce fines so you're not going to get fined the Boas have also said they're going to come out in solidarity with the police <laughs> and they said first of all we're not going to issue the fines because the police aren't and we want to side with our colleagues and also we don't think it's safe if the police aren't protecting us uh, to issue fines because you know people aren't going to take very kindly to that and they've now asked the work inspectors <laughs> to get involved and asked the work inspector to come in and, to, and, to, and, and rule on whether it is safe for Boas to issue to go around clubs issuing night, nightclubs issuing fines um, what a complete mess yeah meanwhile Hubert Brils the chair of the group safety boards uh, told BNR he still expects the rules to be enforced he said when I woke up this morning we didn't have self-governance for workers um, so he's not very impressed so basically yeah Famke Halsema Hubert Brils um, your local inspector a couple of BOAS and a police uh, officer will all be getting in a fight outside a nightclub on Friday night so <laughs> yeah. does, stick that on YouTube and uh, the, the yeah <laughs> uh, what a mess what a mess yeah the rate of inflation in the Netherlands reached a 40-year high of 6.4% in January, according to National Statistics Agency CBS. Ouch. Uh, this is the inf- yeah, <laughs> ouch. This is the inflation rate calculated using the Dutch system. Um, and in December, inflation reached uh, 5.7%, and its continued uh, and its continued rise has been driven by the price of energy and food. By last month, the price of gas, electricity, and district heating had risen 90% when compared with the year earlier, uh, and now accounts for some three percentage points of the total inflation figure. The CBS said last week that when calculated using official EU methods, inflation was even higher with 7.6%. And the main difference between the two systems is the role of housing. Uh, the European system for calculating inflation uh, does not include housing costs, uh, but the Dutch system uh, includes developments on the rental housing market. In January, the Netherlands has the sixth highest inflation rate in the eurozone. Uh, in neighboring Belgium, the figure was 8.5%, and in Germany, it was 5.1%, and that's the uh, eurozone average. Okay, um, so are wages going up in line with inflation? Yeah, well, wages rose by an average of 2.1% last year. Um, pay rises agreed in centralized negotiations between unions and employers. Employers averaged 2.2% in the first six months of the year and 1.9% in the second half, according to the CBS. Given inflation was around 2.4% last year, wages failed to keep pace with the rise in consumer prices, uh, and especially hospitality industry wages uh, uh, had a hot, rough time because they, those rose just 0.3% mm. as coronavirus shut down cafes and restaurants for much of the year and called a halt to tourism. And the biggest increase, 3.4%, was in the sector of the services, which uh, include lobby groups, launderettes, and the funeral sector, okay. which uh, I assume had a uh, booming year. I guess uh, a lot uh, of overtime year. in the yeah. funeral sector. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're going to have to wait and see how uh, uh, if the wages are going to rise with the current inflation rate. But yeah, it's so high that it is uh, uh, not expected that this will uh, we will uh, we will uh, see a a, a complete uh, rise uh, with the, with the inflation rates. But yeah, it's uh, it's still unclear. Yeah, it seems extremely unlikely. Yeah, I guess for as long as. Uh Vladimir Putin has got his tanks parked on the Ukrainian border. We're going to carry on seeing this uh, inflation in the gas prices as well. I assume so as well, yeah. Um, So, um, yeah, great times looking forward to, to, I guess. Yeah. Straight after a story about surging inflation is perhaps not the best time to ask people to give you money, but uh, (laughs) it does make us all the more grateful to our patrons who keep this podcast going. You can sponsor us for as little as a euro or a dollar a month uh, with its dwindling value, which earns you a warm glow of philanthropic contentment, a shout out on the next podcast and the chance to ask us a question. Now, 
We had need to go back to question we were asked last week by new Australian patron Daniel Knapp uh, because we didn't understand the phrase that uh, he wanted translated <laughs> into Dutch. <laughs> well, I didn't. I think it's more to the point. Uh, Daniel, yeah, me neither. Yeah. I think Paul's got a valid excuse. But uh, Daniel's got back to us now this week, so he gets another shout-out and will now attempt to answer his question, which was, is there a Dutch equivalent to the phrase she'll be right, mate? Which I didn't try the accent there, you'll notice. According yeah. to him, she'll be right, mate, is an all-encompassing response for an Aussie to support a friend in such situations as when his wife has left him for a uh, better looking emotionally mature and richer man or he splits or when he spent $500 on the pokies or the, the gaming machines in the pub when the money was meant for the kids school uniforms or your bike's got a flat tire or I actually lost a fine or do a favourite football club whoever they are basically any kind of situation where you have a setback yeah. and you, your friends want to reassure you with this, with this so what would you say in Dutch uh, in that kind of situation yeah, I don't think there is a, a, a real equivalent uh, for that, but I think uh, the thing that's, uh, that comes closest is a phrase called Het komt wel goed, schatje. Yeah. It basically means it will all be okay, schatje, yeah. which is... Yeah. You know, darling. Yeah, darling, something like that. And it is a reference to a famous uh, commercial on lemonade, and it starts with a young boy at school who is having a rough day on the playground and you know, nothing is, uh, is going well. So he um, gets picked up by his mother after school. Uh, he uh, complains about his day uh, during their walk home. And uh, immediately when they uh, arrive home, she pours him a glass of this lemonade and, and uh, hands it to him and says, yeah. Alles komt wel goed, schatje. And then later that day, the father arrives home and he, uh, you know, had to cycle through heavy rain and with headwinds, so a very bad day as well. Yeah. And then the young boy hands him a glass of this lemonade saying, uh, goed, schatje. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's the closest thing that you can use in Dutch uh, uh, that's equivalent to this uh, Aussie sentence, I guess. Yes, it's kind of using kind of situations of common setbacks, like you've got a holiday booked, then you test positive for corona um, the day before, uh, or your new business partner turns out to be Henk Kroll, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or your nurse turns out to be... Uh... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you show up for your, your operation and uh, the nurse is Caroline van der Plas, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it will not be sufficient in that particular situation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this is the closest thing uh, you will get. Yeah. Okay, so I hope that answers your question, Daniel. Thanks very much for asking it. We had fun with it anyway. Um, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast uh, and get a free anecdote, especially all for you, log on to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dutch News N-L. As we'll discuss shortly, Dutch eyes have been glued to the speed skating ring in Beijing this week, but what you probably didn't know is that at the same time, pictures from the Netherlands are being beamed back to China. Because it turns out that more than 50 Dutch towns and cities have installed security cameras made by Chinese companies Hikvision and Dahua. Not just the big cities either, but also places like Zeist, Borsele, Eisden-Machaten and Fenrei. Uh, do we know where Eisden-Machaten is? Eisden, I think, isn't it uh, on the on the Belgium border with, uh, with in Limburg? Yes, yeah, right down like in, the, in the southern tip of Limburg on the Belgian border. Isn't that the place where the German Kaiser fled to after the First World War ah, was lost? Might be. I think it was. Yeah, he arrived there from Spa uh, with an enormous train carrying all his imperial furniture, and it wasn't the station wasn't big enough to uh, process this enormous train with all its furniture. Okay, but I think it was Eisden. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will fact check just while you are. Uh, okay. This, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, so back then, uh, the 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 Eisden um, uh, was home to a kind of imperialist uh, uh, of the dictator, and now um, it's uh, being watched over by the Chinese government. So yeah. Oh, I just uh, looked up a, a video on YouTube about his arrival on this train station. Oh, wow. So another YouTube link in the liner notes if you yeah. uh, want to check. Some that. Fa fascinating YouTube content this week, but not sadly yeah. the uh, Coupe de Moss uh, promotional video. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> so make up the fact you can't watch that. But there's a problem here, according to technology experts, because these cameras can leak information uh, via the back door, potentially, although they hadn't found any evidence that this actually was happening. But NOS and Follow the Money published a list of locations 
stations where the cameras are installed, there's 36,000 cameras altogether in the Netherlands of uh, wow. Chinese manufacture, yeah. uh, including the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in The Hague. Uh, obviously, where you know uh, foreign dignitaries and uh, ambassadors come and go quite a lot. And uh, uh, Putin's Dasha guests uh, also work there. Yes, uh, pr- pr- probably. Yes, yeah. yeah, so there's, uh, there's probably live footage of uh, Halba Zalstra in uh, Putin's Dasha. <laughs> also, the Peace Palace, which is the home of the International Court of Justice. And they're also apparently used extensively by police in uh, Amsterdam. Okay. So a lot of sensitive uh, locations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Follow the Money said the two companies are also implicated in human rights abuses in Tibet and Xinjiang, where the government has been accused of genocide against the Uyghur minority. In the United States, the Biden administration has banned companies from investing in Hikvision because of its connections with the Chinese army. So, yeah, uh, I think we already know the answer, <laughs> but why are the Dutch cities using Chinese security cameras? Uh, do you want to have a guess? Yeah, is it, is it very cheap? Uh, yeah, they're, they're cheap, basically. They're cheapest on the market. Yeah. In fact, they probably got them in a Trehal and Aimbatalan deal at Blocker <laughs> or Staple Courting at Haymau or something. Yeah, they're the cheapest option. So. Or the German Kaiser brought it with them in the train. <laughs> yeah, so predictably enough, Dutch municipalities snapped them up. But most of them were bought by private companies, which to say, rather than government agencies. Um, and meanwhile, Dahua and Hikvision responded to the story. They said they were private companies, nothing to do with the government, and denied they were involved in human rights abuses. Okay, then I assume everything is okay. Of course it is. Nothing to worry about. Gordon, we did it. Yes. The Netherlands reached its carbon dioxide emission reduction target last year. Uh, So the earth is safe. Yes. Climate change is cancelled. We won't Uh, be drowning after uh, all. I looked at the map of the Netherlands after climate change and my house is going to be on an island, which I quite fancied personally. The beach is going to roll up at my front door. Your beach is already at your door, basically. Why it is, you need actually. it any closer? The beach is basically yeah. at my door. In fact, when they dug up the street a couple of years ago, I realised that it is literally just sand. My, my house is built on sand. Oh, so you're on the fancy parts of The Hague. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully for you, uh, climate change isn't cancelled then. If you remember, in 2019, the Netherlands was uh, ordered by the Supreme Court to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by at least 25% by the end of 2020 compared to 1990 levels. This all had to do with a uh, a court case the environmental campaign group Agenda started. They argued that the government had an obligation to protect its citizens from climate change and demanded the Netherlands should take more actions to reduce CO2 emissions. They didn't say anything about uh, having a uh, front door beach uh, for Gordon, but I think they wanted to prevent that as well. I'm sure they did. Um, That would be like them. Yeah, they hate fun. Just very mean-spirited people. At the time, it was widely expected that the Netherlands would never be able to reach the 25% reduction, but CBS and Public Health Institute, RVM, calculated that the total reduction was, in fact, 25.5%. So we did it. We reached the goals. Well done. Yeah. Did they have to fill in all of the forms by hand before they sent them to the RFEM? Because that might mean <laughs> it's the, there's a couple of hundred thousand still to come. <laughs> there's still a couple of hundred thousand tons of CO2 gas emissions <laughs> still have to be calculated. Yeah. yeah. Well, who knows? But the agencies say that the decline is more down to luck than policy. Uh, 2020 was a relatively warm year, and the mild winter meant that less natural gas was used for heating. Uh, the closing of coal power plants also contributed to the CO2 uh, reduction. The coronavirus pandemic, interestingly enough, had limited effect. Mm. Emissions by industry remained virtually unchanged, but traffic produced 15% less pollution as people uh, worked from home during the lockdown. Urgena said in a reaction that the government had been lucky and says more policy changes are needed. The 25% reduction in emissions imposed by the court was the absolute minimum that industrial countries such as the Netherlands needed to do to keep global uh, warming below 2 degrees. But uh, the government's own target uh, now is for a 49% reduction in emissions by 2030, or at least that was the the previous government's target. The new cabinet is planning to increase that to 55%, but again, I already said that they don't think that will be enough, so they are threatening with more court cases against the Dutch state. Preliminary figures from 2021 indicate that in the first nine months of the year, greenhouse gas emissions was up again with 3%. Uh, on 2020 so uh, yeah it's um uh, we reached a goal uh, uh last year but you know in coming years it... yeah it looks like it might be a temporary blip and of course 2021 was quite a, it was a very cold winter not yeah. just this cold snap in february but april was very cold as well so yeah. no surprise to see that uh, greenhouse gas emissions went up again yeah and the irony here also is of course that the, the reason we reached the gas emission uh, goals was because the earth was warmer yeah exactly, <laughs> so um, yes. yeah <laughs> So yeah. if climate change is happening, we will be able to reach the goals uh, as well, I think. Yeah, so, it's uh, like a pitch by MC Escher, isn't it? You, you, you kind of yeah. reach your target, but that's only because... You're not reaching your target, yeah. So, um, yeah, you might get a beach after all. Oh, we will see. 
It's time to turn our attention to the Winter Olympics in Beijing, where to nobody's surprise, the Dutch skating team have once again swept all before them. Irene Schouten <laughs> won a second gold medal on Thursday in the 5,000 meters to add to her 3,000 meters title on Saturday, and uh, she's aiming to become the first Dutch woman to the first Dutch athlete, in fact, to win four gold medals at the same games. Kilt Naus successfully defended his 1,500 meter title, just edging out his teammate Thomas Kroll. But eclipsing them all was Irene Wust. In winning the 1500 meters, she became the first athlete in Olympic history to win an individual gold medal at five successive games, winter or summer. And afterwards, she gave quite an emotional interview where she paid tribute to her former teammate, Pauline van Dotekom, who died of cancer three years ago at the age of 37. Yeah, uh, that was very impressive indeed. Do you know the ice skating, uh, the speed skating is always at the start of the Olympics. Yeah. It also me- always means that uh, the Netherlands uh, looks like they're doing very well in the overall medaille um, spiegel, the medal table. We were at one point number one, yeah. but now we are already uh, down to number five. Yeah, and so, have you seen uh, who's top of the medal table at the moment? Germany. Germany at the top of the medal table, yeah. yes. Germany, yes. Norway, yeah. Austria, United States, yeah. and then the Netherlands. But as long as we are above Belgium, then everything is fine. <laughs> everything so is okay, yeah. To, uh, to manage uh, pretty easily. Yeah. So uh, the Dutch skaters haven't had it all their own way, didn't they? No, not at all. Uh, Patrick Roost had to settle for silver in the men's 5,000 meters. He lost out by half a second to the Swedish favorite, Niels van der Poel. Yes, Swedish. <laughs> Swedish skater, Niels van der Poel. We also have, of course, Ted Jan Blumen from Canada. So it's, it's all a stitch-up, really, isn't it? We can just count that as a Dutch medal, I think. Yeah, well, van der Poel's grandparents uh, emigrated from Kroninger during the war. Um, that's uh, how he comes by his... During the war? During the war, yes, during the war. Oh, so that's how he comes that's by his, That's how he comes by his nationality. So he fled uh, Philip Goebbels and the uh, Kroninger <laughs> guy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or the Hilversum guy. And he also calls them Oppef at his post-race press conference. Yeah, because he accused the Dutch team of corruption he was claiming the dutch coaches were using scientists to try and influence the conditions on the ice ribbon he said we have doping cases in our sport every now and then i don't see how this is less serious but the dutch technical director maritz Hendricks was very dismissive of the claims he said all the team were doing was just measuring the ice temperature which has been going on for 20 years that's an interesting accusation i mean He's just saying, oh, you're looking at the conditions of the ice track and you are, uh, you know, applying a different strategy based on that. I mean, that just... Yeah, he's trying to claim they're manipulating the temperature somehow. Or they, they're pressuring the okay. officials to, you know, to adjust the conditions or raise or lower the temperature, I don't know, um, yeah. to, to suit the Dutch skaters and the Dutch skating equipment. You, you had, uh, I think, similar OPEF uh, surrounding accusations. I think it was Tiel, yeah. the Dutch uh, speed skating stadium, where some people accused officials of opening doors uh, when um, uh, direct uh, competitors were speed skating. Yeah. Also opening the doors, I guess, caused a draft, which might blow in the face yeah. of the skaters. I thought they were accused of using the air conditioning to manipulate the oh, time. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were actually trying to yeah, sort of try and create a, a, like a permanent uh, tailwind so the skaters skated faster. Yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. I think we've seen uh, several of these uh, uh, accusations, ridiculous accusations. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it makes it makes sport fun, right? Yeah. Uh, these sort of things. It does. And it just only makes this uh, long-distance speed skating more fun than it otherwise would more be. More interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> right at the moment on Friday morning, I see that the, your favourite event is uh, taking place, Paul, which is the 10,000 metres. <laughs> I mean, even when I think of it, I'm falling asleep. I mean, it's just so boring. I think I'm just going to watch it out of, uh, you know, uh, we, we've been talking about it so often, I, I, I have to watch it. I wasn't planning to, but yeah. I'm just going to now. Yeah, well, uh, for Thunderpool and uh, Patrick Rooster going head to head in this one as well, and it is. Half past ten on Friday morning, and Wurst uh, uh, is currently leading, but Thunderpool still has to skate. So we might bring you live updates on that, which is great when you're listening to this like three days later. Yeah. You already know the result, but there we are. Bring you a bit of live Olympic excitement there. Uh, short track is more exciting. I think uh, uh, Susanna Skilting um, is going in all the events. She had to make do with silver in the shortest race, the 500 metres. Uh, she was outfoxed by the wily Italian veteran Ariana Fontana, who picked up, I think, a tenth. Great name. A great name, yeah, and she picked up a tenth Olympic medal. Fontana. Wow. Um, so yeah, she's a, she's a real success. Yeah, and she just kind of glided past uh, Schulting on the inside, almost as if she didn't see her. She's uh, very adept at that. Uh, Schulting still has, is the defending champion the 1,000 metres. That's still to come. And also the 1,500 metres. But meanwhile, more bad luck for Schinke Knecht, who's been disqualified in both his races, the 1,000 metres and the 1,500 metres. So it looks like no individual mm. Olympic medal for him or gold medal for him. He had, of course, this accident with, uh, yeah, he was uh, burned for 40%, I believe. Yeah, 30%, I think. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a lot of goodwill towards him because of this uh, terrible injury yeah. he had. 
yeah, sadly is now uh, disqualified, which is not uh, how he uh, envisioned his comeback to the Olympic no. um, venue, I guess. No. But, you know, it's it's sort of... It, Shinki is uh, quite an aggressive speed skater, right? Yeah. Uh, or a short tracker. So, yeah, I guess you could say we have the old Shinki Knecht back. Yeah. But, yeah, we would uh, rather see him um, uh, leaving with the gold medal. Yeah, not getting disqualified. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be pretty aggressive to be a short track speed skater, really. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's, yeah. You can't, you, can't, you can't be a shrinking violet, really, when these guys are sort of trying to uh, go past you on a tiny ice rink. Yeah, at 40 kilometers yeah. an hour. He was famously disqualified one time, wasn't he, for, for giving a rude hand gesture to one of his competitors <laughs> after a race. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There's one time he didn't kick someone off the short track of the, of the track. Yeah. He, uh, he, he still he got still disqualified. Yeah. Of course, the South Koreans have uh, gone to the court for arbitration in sport over their disqualifications because they claim that a lot of South Korean skaters have been disqualified and spookily while the games are taking place in China. And quite often, Chinese athletes have benefited. So they're, they're mm. claiming that the whole judging system is being corrupted or unduly influenced, and they, they want the sports court in Lausanne to, to, to rule on it. Yeah, hopefully there, the independent investigation will not be led by a Chinese <laughs> uh, official, like the Labour Party uh, investigations uh, tend to happen. Yeah. Uh, but we do have also some news about non-speed skating or ice skating uh, related uh, sports, right? Yeah, there are a few other um, non-skaters in the Dutch team. Uh, snowboarder Michel Decker reached the semi-finals of the Parallel Giant Slalom. That's the one where two snowboarders uh, compete head-to-head uh, to go down the mountain fastest. But after mm. she lost out to the eventual champion, Estela Decker of the Czech Republic, she crashed in the bronze medal race as well and finished fourth. And also Kimberly Boss, she probably carries the Netherlands' best hopes of a non-skating medal uh, in the skeleton. That's the one where you go down headfirst uh, on a bobsleigh track oh, right. on, a, on a tiny tray, on a luge. The other, the other is r- Rodel. Uh, luge, yeah, it's called Rodel in Dutch, luge. Oh. So that's when you go down your back. Yeah, and there was also one with two people, yeah. right? Was it a meme that I saw? No, no, that's a, a real thing. It's a double race. That's a real thing? Yeah, I think only the men do that. I don't know why. But <laughs> <laughs> I have the same thing with uh, with skeleton. I don't know why they're doing it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're still doing. I it. I don't know if there's any suggestion of doing skeleton doubles. That would be really frightening, I think, to watch. But uh, you know, we have, we have two people pile on top of each other, going head first on a skeleton bob. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, but are we going to get a medal with that or not? Well, she had a disappointing first run. She's a European champion, so she is generally one of the contenders. But she was 10th on the first run after she sort of hit the side wall early on. Uh, but she's recovered a bit. She moved up to 6th after second run. She's 0.16 seconds behind third place now. And the last two runs are on Saturday. So I think she finishes about lunchtime. Uh, our time, that is, not Chinese time. All right. Good luck to her. And hopefully she will uh, bring back a, a medal. Yeah. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We'll include links to everything we've talked about today and some fun YouTube videos in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out or two. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Darach, and we'll be back next week. Music